0: Good morning Plum Creek. Great to see you guys. We want to welcome you here today and if you're watching online, we're glad to have you with us as well. And as we get started this morning, I want to do something a little different. I want to get your take on just a few controversial topics. This should be fun. And here's how it's going to work. I'll give you a topic and then you give me a thumbs up if you approve or a thumbs down if you disapprove. And when you answer, raise your hand up high. Let me see your thumb. Either way, and if you're watching online, you can go ahead and play along with us. Are you ready? Here we go. Now, this first topic can be divisive, uh, but we don't shy away from the tough issues around here. So, what is your opinion about banjos? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Let me see. Wow, it's kind of a mixture here. Interesting. Now, in full transparency, I'm a big thumbs up on the banjo for better or worse. All right, next topic. How do you feel about pro wrestling? Thumbs up or thumbs down on that one? All right, we, we got almost a consensus on this one. Big thumbs down. Now, I've, I've had some friends who were big wrestling fans, but to be honest, that's not my thing either. All right, just one more. This one may be the most controversial of all. How do you feel about pineapple on pizza? Is it delicious or is it an abomination? All right, it looks like most of us, thumbs up, that's good. Uh, Might have some Hawaiian descent in the room, I'm not sure. Now, I promise you, uh, this activity was not pointless. There's a direct connection with what we're talking about today. You see, on each one of those topics, I gave you just two options, thumbs up or thumbs down. However, in certain situations, you may may wish you had a third option, which would be thumb to the side, kind of in the middle. Uh, You you might say with banjos, for example, I I don't love them, but I don't hate them either. And in some cases, you do have this third option, uh, pineapple pizza. You can order a pizza that half has pineapple and half does not. Uh, but here's why I bring this up today. We're going to open the Bible here and read from 1 Peter chapter 4. And in this chapter, Peter talks about two very different ways to live. You can live for Jesus Christ, or you can live for yourself. Now, if you live for yourself, you're going to blend in with the crowd. Uh, basically you're going to do whatever you want to do. and Just follow the rest of the world, the the trends that you see, or just follow your own desires, and your life is basically about you. But if you decide to follow Jesus and and live for him, the idea is that you abandon your self-centered life and you do whatever he wants you to do. So in in this option, you're not going to blend in with the crowd. You're going to stand out. And you're willing to suffer for Christ, even die for him. Now, it's obvious these are two very different ways to live. But there's no middle option here. You don't get to have one foot in each camp. God doesn't give us that choice. So we all have a decision to make. And I hope and I pray that by the end of our time together, we'll be encouraged and challenged and inspired to live our lives focusing on Jesus, following him. So let's go ahead and dive in. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And I'll read this whole passage, and then we'll go back and take a closer look. And just in case you haven't been with us for this whole series, here's a little background. 1 Peter is a letter written by the Apostle Peter, who was one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus. And Peter wrote this letter to a group of Christians who were suffering for their faith. The Roman Empire at this time was becoming a hostile place for followers of Jesus. Christians were mocked and rejected and even persecuted. Some of them were imprisoned. Some of them died for their faith in Jesus. Now, the overall theme of this letter is encouragement. God inspired Peter to write this. And God, through Peter, said, guys, I know you're suffering. And even though you're suffering right now, you have a living hope in Christ. This pain is only temporary, and it's going to be worth it in the end. So that's the background And let's go ahead and jump into 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll read starting with verse 1. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. And as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. And they're surprised that you do not join them in their wild, reckless living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And offer hospitality to one another without grumbling So there's a lot there, but you see what Peter does here. He paints us a picture of these two different ways to live, and really it doesn't matter if if you're a Christian living in the Roman Empire in the first century or you're living in the United States here in the 21st century. We have these same two options in front of us, and like I said, we have a decision to make. So let's go back and take a closer look here. Let's go back to verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Now, before anything else, I want to look at that word, therefore, the very first word. Some of you know that my dad was a preacher, and there's no way I could count the number of times that I heard him preach. And I remember him saying some of the same things again and again. And one thing I remember has to do with this word, therefore. Dad would always say, when you read the Bible and you come across the word therefore, you need to go back and see what that word is there for. And that's absolutely true, and it's a bigger deal than you might think. You see, in the passage that we just read, Peter tells us what to do. He tells us how we should live. He says, when you follow Jesus, there are some things you shouldn't do. And there are some things you should do. And again, let's be clear. This is not just Peter talking. This is God speaking through Peter. And what we see here is something that shows up all over the Bible. Before God tells us what to do, he gives us a therefore. And here's how this works. First, God gives us a truth or a principle. And then he tells us to live according to that truth. He says, first, you need to know this this foundational principle. And because of this truth, therefore, here's how you should live. In other words, God gives us the why before he gives us the command. A preacher named Tim Keller said, the world is often the opposite of this. The, The world often tells you what to do without giving you a good reason. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, according to many people in the world today, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Things that are true no matter where you are, no matter when you're living. For example, uh, how do you know if God really exists? We, we don't know. That's what they would say. But we, we've got guesses, we've got opinions, but we can't be sure. And how, how do you know whether or not there's life after death? We can't really know. And how can we even be confident that this life has any meaning at all? We don't know. There's there's no absolute truth. So if that's the case, what what does that mean? Where where does that take us? Well, that would mean that every moral standard is completely subjective. Uh, There's no foundation to build on. You, you can't give me a good reason why something is right or something is wrong. It's all a matter of opinion. And that statement may sound extreme, but think about it. In our culture today, racism is considered very wrong. It's not only inappropriate, it's immoral. And in this case, the Bible very much agrees Uh, Scripture tells us that we're all made in God's image. God loves each one of us. We're all precious to him. And that means every race, every person, everywhere in the world, we all have equal value. Unfortunately, though, there's a harsh reality. Most of us, the vast majority majority of us, have this tendency to judge people who are different than us. Most of us have this instinct to value our tribe above other tribes. Now, our culture says we have to fight that instinct. And once again, that's a good message. We see that same message in God's word. However, let's leave racism for a moment and move to a different area sexuality. Right now, our culture says when it comes to sex, You can do whatever seems right to you as long as you're not hurting anybody. But then, what's the basis for that moral standard? Why is it okay to follow our sexual instincts, but it's not okay to follow the instincts that would lead us to racism? Well, it doesn't make sense, and I'll tell you why. First, our cultural standards are based on the assumption that all of life just appeared by chance. We're all the products of evolution by natural selection. So human beings are are basically just animals. However, here's where it all falls apart. If you have no way to differentiate between a human and a frog, how can you decide which instincts are okay and which instincts are not okay? Racism is a sin, but sexually, go ahead and do whatever you want. But why is that? Why is one wrong and the other right? Well, the truth is there is no objective basis for that standard. There is no therefore. It's totally based on opinions and feelings and whatever the cultural current is at the moment. But God gives us a therefore. Before he tells us how to live, he tells us why we should live this way. So here in 1 Peter 4, 1, what is the therefore, therefore? Well, let's back up. What did we read in chapter 3? Uh, We talked about this last week. And remember, this letter is addressed to Christians who are suffering for their faith. They're being persecuted. And they had to be asking, why would God allow us to suffer like this? Well, in chapter 3, Peter says, look at what Jesus went through. He's the only perfect person who ever lived, but he was tortured and he died a terrible death on the cross. And he did that out of love. He did that because of his love for you to take your place and to pay the penalty for your sins. He died so that your relationship with God could be restored, so that you could live forever in heaven with him. And then... Jesus rose from the dead. He he proved that he is who he says he is. So that's chapter three, and that brings us to chapter four. Therefore, because of all of that, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. So, if your life has been transformed by the love and the sacrifice of Jesus, arm yourself with this knowledge that Jesus suffered for you. Look at what Jesus did. He loved me, He saved me, He laid down His life for me. And that knowledge fills me with love and gratitude. Because Jesus sacrificed his life for me, I want to sacrifice my life for him and live for him. But what does it look like to live for Christ? Well, let's move on to verse 3. Peter says, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry, they're surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you. So if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what not to do. And it's interesting, did you catch this? Peter says to these Christians, he says, I know that you used to do all of these things. Back in the day, they partied hard. They got very drunk on a regular basis. They went to orgies for goodness sake. And you know, there's a general term that covers all of this behavior. It's the word debauchery. Now, that word shows up in the Bible here and there, and a lot of times people aren't sure what that means. But I found a good definition this week. Debauchery is unbridled lust. And that gives me this image of a horse with no bridle. He's just running wild, going wherever he wants to go, doing whatever he wants to do. But Peter says, when you belong to Jesus... He will tell you to say no to certain things. And according to him, sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage, it's off limits. Abusing alcohol, getting drunk, it's off limits. Now, right here, I want to make sure this sermon doesn't become a simplistic version of do's and don'ts. Yes, God has given us commands about what we should do and what we should not do but we can't reduce Christianity down to a a list of rules. And why is that? Well, following a list of rules, it's not the gospel of Jesus. It's legalism. So what's the difference between the gospel and legalism? Well, for one thing, we don't use rule following as a way to earn God's approval. That doesn't work. There's no way we could ever earn God's approval by trying to be good enough. We would never get there. The only way to be saved is by the grace of God through faith, through a relationship with Jesus. It's a gift. It's a gift that we don't deserve. But then what is my motivation to turn away from sin, to to follow Jesus and do what he tells me to do? Well, I mentioned this a minute ago. The motivation is love. It's gratitude. Look back and see how much Jesus suffered for you and then say, wow, if he did that for me, this is the least I can do for him. And you know, this is more than just saying no to debauchery. This is saying no to all kinds of things like materialism and gossip and selfish pride and yes, racism. And let's be real for a second. How can anyone resist every form of temptation every day, all day? This is not an easy task, is it? In fact, it feels impossible. Over the years, Christian thinkers have looked at the Bible and they've discovered three enemies of the soul. Your soul has three enemies the world, the devil, and the flesh let's break this down. The world would be the people in your life who lead you to sin. They may pressure you, they may threaten you, or they may just be a bad influence. Then you've also got the devil. You can't see him, but he's always whispering in your ear. He's trying to get you to believe lies that would lead you away from Christ. And then finally, you've got the flesh. The flesh is your sinful nature. It's the desires and the instincts inside of you that would lead you to to break God's commands or or sin. You know, every good and healthy desire has a dark side. Hunger becomes gluttony. Sexual desire becomes debauchery. Uh, Righteous anger becomes a, a temper that's just out of control So we've got these three enemies, the world, the devil, and the flesh. So we're fighting a battle on three different fronts, and how can you win a battle like that? Well, I don't know if you picked up on this, but back in verse 1, Peter uses military language. He says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. So, arm yourselves. Put on your armor. Pick up your weapons because you are in a battle. And if you're going to win this battle, you need a new attitude, a new way of thinking. You need the mindset of Jesus. And when you decide to follow Jesus, God will give you this attitude, this mindset. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, don't follow the crowd but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you want to change your actions, let God retrain your mind. And he retrains your mind through things like scripture and prayer. These are powerful weapons, but you do have to pick up these weapons and use them. I heard a a good illustration for this. Let's say you're at home and you're sleeping, you're in bed, it's the middle of the night, but you wake up because somebody is breaking into your house. They're they're coming to harm you. But the good news is you have a weapon. The bad news is your weapon is locked up down in the basement, and you're up in the bedroom. It's not going to help you very much from down there, is it? See, having a weapon is one thing but it's a completely different thing to arm yourself with that weapon. So spiritually, it's like this. When you become a Christian, you learn these facts about God. You learn that God loves you. He wants what is best for you. You learn that sin is dangerous and destructive for you and for others. And these truths are, are like spiritual weapons. it's one thing to know these truths intellectually, and it's a different thing to arm yourself with this weapon and use it against your enemies. I'll give you a scenario from my own life, and this scenario is a little personal, to be honest. Now, I'll start with a weapon. It's a truth from Psalm 46. That psalm says, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. So there's the truth. God is my refuge. He's my strength. He's my help when I'm in trouble. Even if the worst case scenario actually happens, I can trust in him. Now, I can learn that truth in the same way that you learn some fact at school, but the question is, have I armed myself with that truth? Over the past few years, I've had to learn to do that. Some of you know that I've had some crazy health issues in the past few years, just uh, symptoms that that didn't make sense. Uh, We couldn't really figure it out. Now, here in 2021, things have improved a lot, and I'm very grateful for that. But for a while there, I had multiple episodes where I literally thought I was dying. I thought that was it. And in those moments, it's natural to be afraid, but I had this temptation to be overwhelmed with fear. But then I kept coming back to these verses I would read them over and over again, and I would use them as a weapon against my fear. I would claim these promises that God is my refuge. He's my help. Even if it's the end of the world, even if it's the end of my life, it's okay because I can trust in him. I can know that Jesus loves me He suffered and died for me and he proved that he has power over death and that means he can handle whatever I'm facing up to and including death made a huge difference. There was a peace in that. So do you see how it works? Arm yourself. Let God strengthen you with his word and his spirit. Let him retrain your mind. In the words of Yoda, you must unlearn what you have learned. And from this, from this perspective, reading the Bible, it's not some chore. It's not something we do to check off a box. We go to Scripture because God's Word arms you for the spiritual battle that you're facing every day. Now, if you're not aware that this battle is raging around you, you need a wake-up call because it's real. You need to start seeing clearly and thinking clearly, and that's what Peter says in the next section. He says, don't focus on this world. This world is not your home. You need to look at your life in the light of eternity. So let's read again, starting with verse 5. Peter says, but they, these pagans, these people who live in sin, they'll have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Now, just to get this out of the way, verse six can be a little confusing. Um, The gospel was preached to those who are now dead. Uh, What does that mean? Well, this is not as difficult as the passage we read last week. Uh, Peter's not talking about somebody preaching a sermon to dead people. Uh, He's talking about Christians who heard the gospel before they died. They heard the good news about Jesus, and they accepted the gift of salvation, and now they're going to live with God forever. And they may have been condemned and even put to death in this world, but they're going to be vindicated on Judgment Day. So Peter is giving us the big picture perspective here. That's why he says the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert. Think clearly. Don't get caught up in this world. Keep eternity at the front of your mind. Now, I I could hear somebody saying, Peter wrote this 2,000 years ago. So I guess he was wrong. I guess the end was not near But listen, time is a very relative thing, isn't it? For example, is five minutes a long time? Well, it depends. If you spend that five minutes doing something you love with people you love, it feels like practically no time at all. However, if you're standing at a bathroom door, hopping up and down because you've got to go and the person inside is taking their own sweet time, five (laughs) minutes feels like forever, doesn't it? So, the reality is, you know, Peter is is looking at this from God's perspective. And from God's perspective, the end of all things is near. And we need to live as though Jesus could come back at any moment. We haven't been promised tomorrow. Even if this world is here tomorrow, today might be your last day. We just don't know. So think clearly. And whenever you face a temptation a difficult decision. Try to think about it from the perspective of the future. A hundred years from now, what decision will you wish you had made? A million years from now, as you look back on this life, what will you wish you had done with this life? Peter tells us what to do with the time that we have left. And he not only tells us how we shouldn't live, he tells us how we should live. So look at verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now we could preach a whole sermon on just those verses. But we're not just fighting against temptation and sin. You see that? We're also doing the good things that God has called us to do. And we've got three commands here. Number one, love each other. Number two, show hospitality to each other. And number three, serve others with the gifts that God has given you. And the primary reason for doing all of these things is to give praise and glory to God through Jesus. There's an old story about Alexander the Great. Some of you know him. Alexander, uh, he was this general. He put a big army together And he led this campaign, conquering one nation after another. He built a huge empire. Alexander, he just was about unstoppable. But there's a story. I'm not sure whether it's true or not, but it goes like this. At one point in this military campaign, a 17-year-old soldier did the unthinkable. Alexander and his army, they they were in a, a huge battle. It was fierce. They were fighting for their lives. But this 17 year old kid, he got scared and he ran away. Not supposed to do that. But the boy was seen. He was captured and he was taken to Alexander. And of course, he's scared to death. He knew that he could be killed for what he had done. But Alexander looked at him and he said, Soldier, why did you run? And the boy said, I ran because I was afraid. Alexander looked at him again, and he said, Soldier, what is your name? And the boy stammered and hesitated. He didn't want to say, but finally he said, My name is Alexander. And the general gave him a very serious look, and he said, Then you will either change your behavior, or you will change your name. You know, for all of us who follow Jesus, we wear the name that is above all names. And we need to wear it well. The word Christian basically means little Christ, and that's what we're called to be. And of course, we're not perfect. We are going to fall short as long as we're living in this world. But at the end of the day, what choice have you made? Are you living for yourself, or are you living for Jesus? Are you remembering how Jesus Suffered and sacrificed his life for you? And are you then driven by love and gratitude to the point where you're sacrificing your life for him? Are you letting God retrain your mind so you can live the kind of life that really stands out in this world? And are you picking up those spiritual weapons and actually using them? And then are you thinking clearly? Are you seeing things in the light of eternity? you know, we can't do any of this by our own power. But God gives us the strength to fight these battles. He gives us the power to win these battles. So let's make the right choice. Let's live for Jesus and give God the glory. Let's pray. Father, there are these moments in life where we see clearly. I pray that This moment is one of those times. Lord, give us clarity so that we can see what Jesus has done and appreciate that and and respond with love and gratitude. Lord, I pray that you would transform our minds so that we will not be conformed to to the pattern of this world, but that we will live for you even when that makes us different, even when we suffer for our faith. Lord, I know that when these things happen, when we start to resemble Jesus, that others will be drawn to him and find salvation and eternal life in you. I pray that this church will be full of people who represent you well and lead others to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.